Just, just want you to know ahead of time. I know you got that little expectation. Amen. But we're going to worship the Lord today. Amen. Amen. How many feel the presence of the Lord in here today? Come on, why don't you just put your hands together right now? Come on and give God a yes praise. Come on, let your applause say yes, Lord. Let your mouth say yes, Lord. Come on, let your spirit say yes, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Lift your voice and shout unto our God. Lift your voice and give him praise in this house. Lift your voice and give him glory in this house. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I, I, I don't know about you, you know. I can tell I do know about you today that there is a great expectation in this house today. I have a feeling that this year, 2017, there are believers in this congregation and believers that are listening to this broadcast that know that 2017 is going to be 100 times better than 2016. Come on, somebody, you got to believe it. You've got to confess it. You've got to trust God with your expectation. My 2016 may have struggled. I may have, some of us may have barely made it out of 2016. But right now here in 2017, I'm looking unto the hills. I'm trusting in the Lord for his bountiful blessings. Glory to God towards us today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I, I hope you have a yes in your spirit after this is done. I believe that you will. I believe that you will. Why don't you look at your neighbor? We're going to go to work here in a second. Why don't you look at your neighbor and tell your neighbor, is there a yes in you for God today? Come on, look at the one on the other side. That neighbor may have been the wrong neighbor. That, that was the wrong neighbor. Ask the other neighbor. Is there a yes? Is there a yes in your spirit for the Lord today? Come on, somebody. That may have been the wrong neighbor too. Turn around, ask the neighbor behind you. Come on, is there a yes in your spirit today? Is there an expectation for 2017? Come on, somebody. This is only the second Sunday of the year. Is there an expectation in your spirit for the promises of God? Do you believe? Amen. For all things are possible. Glory to God. If you believe. Amen. I, I truly appreciate. Amen. Everyone that's here today on the behalf of our pastor. Amen. First lady and congregation, our bishops, elders, and leaders. Amen. Uh, we want to thank our guests for being here today. Can we give our guests a big hand praise of appreciation for being here today? Amen. We thank you for joining us. Of all the thousands of churches through this area, you chose to worship with us today. And we want to tell you that we thank you. We appreciate you. You know, we have a saying around here that you only come one time as a guest. Y'all know what's coming. You only come one time as a guest. And after that, we just adopt you as family and love on you like family. So if you start getting all these anonymous phone calls throughout the week, it's just us. We're just telling you that we love you. And we thank you for being with us today. Amen. Can we give our guests another hand praise? Amen. As you know, our pastor's out of town today. He's ministering in California. Man, how many of us would like a plane ticket right now to join him? Hallelujah. I'm sure it's sunny in L.A. or whatever that is, you know, maybe 75, 80 degrees. And, and in fact, let's all just go to Kentucky, Cincinnati Airport, get on that 747, and let's go join him. In Jesus' name, I, I wish that was possible. But we send our prayers. Let's just pray for our pastor right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, over your servant today, as he ministers your word in California, Father, we thank you, Lord God, for his heart towards your labor, Father, towards your work. 
We thank you for what you have given him and gifted us, Lord God, in our lives, Father, through your servant, Father, through his wife, Father, and through their daughters. We thank you for, Lord God, the love, the sacrifice, Father, and the labor, Father, that he has shown towards thy name. And we ask now, come on, we ask now an anointing. We ask now, Father, come on, somebody, that miracles will be released as he ministers the word. We pray right now that healings and deliverances, Father, will be manifested as he ministers your word. We send right now, Father, covering, oh, yes, Lord God, over the man of God today, over Pastor Erson. We plead the blood of Jesus right now over him, Father. Ah, yes, Lord God, let your word come forth through him, Father, and let signs and, signs and wonders follow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I, I almost feel uh, like you've already been preached to. Uh, as Brother Jordan was exhorting prior to prayer and even doing offering, and man, in between that, I just went over to him and hugged him, and I told him, I said, you know, I've been looking for confirmations all week, and you know, if you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about. You're just looking for direction of God. And uh, as he was ministering, I, I started just flipping this little iPad and just telling him, man, just take it. I, I'll sit down and enjoy you. Because, I mean, I got, I got blessed as he was ministering, and I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that so very much. I appreciate all of our servants, ministers, and elders uh, that are in the house of God today, and all our volunteers, everybody to labor. Let's give all of our volunteers a hand praise. Our Sunday school workers, our Bible quizzers, our ushers and greeters, amen, our security, everybody in the house of God that labors, amen. We appreciate you. We appreciate you. And thank you so very much. We would not be who we are today without our volunteers and those that labor here in the house of God. Amen. Amen. We appreciate that. I, I want you, uh, if you would, turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to the book of 1 Samuel. Chapter 14. We're going to begin reading at verse 1. I'm laughing because every time I get up here, my wife be telling me, you better not be clearing your throat like that. And I, the first thing I do is clear my throat. I'm going to turn away from the mic. <coughs> apologize. I didn't get that tea in me. Or a cough drop. But in 1 Samuel, uh, this, this message, I, I want to tell you that I feel that uh, the Lord has laid upon my heart for today, for this audience today, and for those that are listening via our radio broadcast, and will be listening over the internet as um, uh, this broadcast is released today. I feel that this is a word appropriate for all audiences, all groups, all age groups. Uh, and all believers, kingdom-wide, kingdom-wide, not just apostolics, but I, I feel that. And I feel that the word of God is directed that way uh, in this house for kingdom-wide believers. It doesn't matter your denominational tie. I believe that, that the word of God is directed that way for you today. And this is no exception. Uh, this is a passage of scripture that you've heard me teach from uh, before, which we will be doing today uh, to some degree. Uh, you heard me teach from before, but as I was just praying, especially this week here, um, uh, and just seeking the face of God for direction for this service. I, I really felt God just, just give me some direction, begin to deal with my heart and spirit. And, and I, I want to present to you this, this topic today uh, as we look at 1 Samuel chapter 14. I'll give you the topic immediately afterwards. Let's look at verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass upon the day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said unto the young man that bare his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison that is on the other side. But he told not his father, and Saul tarried in uttermost part of Gibeah, under the pomegranate tree, which is in Migron. And the people that were with him were about 600 men. And Ahab, the son of Atub, and Ichabod's brother, the son of Phinehas, the son of Eli, the Lord's priest in Silo, wearing an ephod. And the people knew not that Jonathan was gone. 
And between the passages by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other. How many know, just pause for a second, that, that when you read the word of God, God doesn't put anything in there just, just to kind of glean over, just to, you know, if something's mentioned and it's mentioned for a purpose, and I'm going to share that with you, what I got out of this here in a second. A sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other. And then he names this rock. He says the name of the one was Boza, and the name of the other was Sina. The forefront of the one was situated northward over against Migmash, and the other southward over against Gibeah. And Jonathan said unto his, to the young man that bare his armor, watch this, come let us go over to this garrison of the uncircumcised. They didn't even call them what they were by their name. They, they uncircumcised. And it may be that the Lord will work for us. Now, this is why it's important. You're facing some things going forward in 2017. And if you want 2017 to be different than 2016, you've got to trust that the Lord will work for you. Come on, somebody. Come on. If you want it to be better. And Jonathan said unto his young man, armor bear, come let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised, and it may be that the Lord will work for us. For there is no restraint of the Lord to save by many, everybody say by many, or by few. And his armor bear said unto him, do all that is in thine heart. Oh my goodness, don't you want an armor bear, somebody support you like that? I don't understand it, I can't see what the purpose of it is, but do everything that's in your heart, and I'm with you according to what's in your heart. Don't you wish you had somebody like that on your side? Come on, somebody, there is somebody like that on your side, and his name is Jesus. Glory to God. Okay, to say by few, and his armor bearer said, Do all that is in thine heart. Behold, I am with thee according to thine heart. Then said Jonathan, Behold, we will pass over unto these men, and we will discover ourselves unto them. And if they say thus unto us, Tarry until we come, then we will stand still in our place, and will not go up unto them. But if they say thus, Come up unto us, then we will go up for the Lord. Look at this now. For the Lord have delivered them into our hand. And it shall be a sign unto us. And both of them discovered themselves unto the garrison of the Philistines. And the Philistines said, Behold, the Hebrews come forth out of the holes in which they have hid themselves. And the men of the garrison answered Jonathan and, and his armor bearer. And they said, Come, come up to us and we will show you a thing. Mm. How many know the rest of the story even before we read it right now? How many know that it didn't turn out for them Philistines the way that they thought it was? Come on, somebody. Man, it's just amazing sometimes how, how the ignorance of the enemy will try to play on you. You know what I'm saying? Okay, and he said, we will show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord have delivered them unto our hand, unto the hand of Israel. And Jonathan climbed up on one side, climbed up on his hands and upon his feet, and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer slew after him. And the first slaughter, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, was about 20 men. How many would go up against those odds? Two against 20. Two against 20. Within, as it were, half an acre of land which a yoke of oxen might plow. It's an interesting topic and, and, and subject and title today that I want to minister to you and share with you. Um, because they went up against this garrison. A foothold, a stronghold, just two men. And going forth into 2017, I want to minister to you today, and I want you to walk home with this today. Strongholds are meant to be broken. Strongholds are meant to be broken. Hear me in the Holy Ghost. I don't care what exists in your family. I don't care what environment you've come out of. I don't care what addictions that you may have been subject to in 2017, 2016, strongholds 
are meant to be broken. Why don't you look at that neighbor that needs that word? They're not hearing what I'm saying. And tell that neighbor next to you, strongholds are meant to be broken. They are meant to be broken. Lift your hands with me and let's go before the Lord in prayer right now. Father, pray with me right now in the name of Jesus. We're asking, Father, for your intervention. We're, we're asking, Lord God, that your hand, Father, would be strong in this service. Father, I'm asking now, Father, that your people, Lord God, would hear you and not me. We ask, Father, that your spirit would speak to us in this house today. We ask, Lord God, now, Father, that you will deposit in us, Father, today what we need for 2017, Father. God, we've heard from you three times already from our pastor and guest evangelist. But, God, we're asking right now, Father, to once again speak to us, God. Enable us, Lord God, our ears to hear your voice, Father, and to walk out of your house today, Father, charged, Father, empowered, and strengthened, Father. Oh, yes, Lord God, because everything that held us in prison in 2016, oh, God, today is broken in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus right now against our mindset that is against you. We plead the blood of Jesus right now against every philosophy that is against your word, God. Yea, God, we come against every addiction in the name of Jesus. For the blood gives us power, power to be free, Father. Hey, hallelujah. Power to deliver us. And we ask now in the name of Jesus, Lord God, do it in thy name for thy glory. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. As we look at this passage of scripture and just a contemporary history uh, there in the Old Testament, um, the book of First and Second Samuel, uh, a continued history of Israel as you go through the number of books there in the Old Testament in the category of history, uh, from the point where we leave the judges, where the judges leave off, the last verse in the book of Judges sums up the spiritual life of Israel in Judges 21 and 25. And it says this, it says, in those days there was no king in Israel. And it, and it says that every man did that which was right in his own eyes. You know, it's important for us to, to have a voice, not just any voice, but to, to have somebody speaking to us the truth of the word of God. Can you say amen? I, I don't just want to be an individual, and I'm sure you don't want to be an in individual that's, that's influenced by everything that comes to our culture, everything that comes to us in terms of uh, via radio or via podcast or via internet or via, via social media, or via Facebook, it's, as many of you are, are on there. I don't, I don't want to be a person that's subject unto those, those influence, but, but I want to be somebody that has a voice of a man of God, a man called by God, speaking truth into my life. Book of Proverbs gives us a glimpse of this in Proverbs 21 and 2. It says, every man did that which is right. Every man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the heart. Do you know that there is a way that you can convince yourself that you are right when you are wrong? I don't know if you ever had that kind of conversation. You're, you're contemplating what decision you should make, and you, and you kind of know what's right and what's wrong, but you have subject yourself to your own influence, and you're wrong in the decision that you're about to make. In the time of Israel, there was no man that was head of the nation. There was, there was no voice to command the obedience of the people, no prince to serve as commander-in-chief. And all the tribe of, of Israel at one time, nationwide program, there was no program to subdue their enemies. There was no leader. There was, there was no voice out front, no righteous voice out front. No one monarch, no, no one unified the people under the banner of the sovereign Lord God, Jehovah of the Old Testament. They, they were doing what was right in their own eyes. 
It was always God's purpose to reign as sovereign king in the hearts and the lives of the Israelites. A government so ordered called a theocracy was God's desire to sit upon the throne of the heart. Furthermore, in terms of organization, God desired to preserve the unity of his chosen people through the leadership of one ruler. Everybody say one ruler. Overall, one ruler overall. And this is called a theocracy where God is sitting upon on the throne and he's speaking through his servants. But this is what happens when you allow yourself to be influenced by those media, those, those via messages that surrounds you, it surrounds your culture, that you will find yourself doing that which is right in your own eyes. The years of the judges leading up to Samuel were years of spiritual decline for Israel because the nation increasingly putting God out of their lives. Increasingly. Now, you've got to put yourself in, in their position for just a second here. And, and many of us can reflect directly because of some of the things that the Lord has delivered us from. And I don't know about you, but aren't you glad you're not what you were a couple years ago? Oh, come on, somebody. I, I am happy. I, I am happy that I'm not the Fazel that graduated in 1980, sometime back then. I am glad that I'm not that guy. I am so glad that I'm not the Fazel that first joined the Army. God has made a difference. Glory to God in our lives. But, but their attitude concerning how God have done so many things in their lives, it makes me wonder, but it makes me also reflect of the days and hours that, that you and I are living in today. The Bible tells us that they did not want God in their lives. They, they rejected God. They didn't want God to rule as, as a theocracy or a sovereign. It's like today and, and what's happening in our world where, where we hear wars and rumors of wars, but, but, but we don't want God in our lives. We see nations rising up against nations, but, but yet and still, we, 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 we may not say it verbally, but we act as if there's no consciousness of God in our lives. We see kingdoms rising up against kingdoms, but, but we put God out of our lives. Earthquakes in diverse places, tragedies all over the place. Fort Lauderdale, you've heard about that, read about that. And, and you see the tragedies arising everywhere, but yet and still, we may not say it, but we live as if there's no consciousness or awareness of God in our lives. Sicknesses and disease, but yet and still we're, we're putting God, we're putting God out of our lives. Paul helps us to understand exactly where we are as a believer and as a, as a nation, as humanity. And he says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1 through 7, he says, but, and I'm reading to you from the New Kings International, a New Kings James translation. He said, but know this, that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men will be lovers of their own selves, Lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanders, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, head, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, more than lovers of God, but yet and still having a form of godliness. So, so in other words, they go to church just like you and I go to church. Come on, don't look around, but somebody may be sitting right next to you right now that has this philosophy, has this, this mindset, but, but don't want God, don't want God in their lives. No representation, no ruler, no, no voice of righteousness. This is what they were, they were untheocratic. They, they did not want the theocracy of God. When the time came in 1 Samuel chapter eight, that they fell the need to inquire, to request a king. They wanted to have a king like the other nations that were around them. They wanted to, to be subject like the other nations that were around them. God wanted to rule, but they, they wanted to be like the other nations that were around them. 
They wanted the influences of these other nations. They wanted the notoriety of these other nations. They weren't comfortable with being who God called them to be. They wanted to be somebody else. They wanted to be somebody else. The Bible tells us that Samuel was a prophet of Israel during these times. And as Samuel was receiving the word of God, he was, he was overwhelmed in his heart. And this is what took place. The thing the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 8, he says, but the thing displeased Samuel when they said it, give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And this is what the Lord said. And the Lord said unto Samuel, hearken to the voice of the people and all that they say unto thee. For they have not rejected thee, but they have rejected me, that I should reign. I should not reign. I should not reign over them. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? You see everything that the Lord is doing in your life, but yet and still your choices are rejecting God. You see the pleasures and the benefits that are at the right hand of God, but yet and still our choices are rejecting God. We see how powerful and how, how God has favored our lives. Everybody in this house has been favored by God at some point in your life. You're working a job that you did not even qualify for. God favored you. You should have been diseased in your life, but you're not diseased in your life because God, God favored you. You're living in a home right now that your credit did not even qualify for, but, but God favored you. And here we are now subjecting ourselves, subjecting ourselves to, to what's going on that is around us. It's almost comparable, and I, I found a little humor in this, but it's almost comparable to, to that teenager being in your house. You know, I don't know if you have a teenager, you know, but, but this is not a reflection of my teenager because I love her to death. She's the best girl ever. Hallelujah. <laughs> but every last one of us who have lived with teenagers know that there are challenges that we will face in our life. And it's not that they're not trying to be an obedient, loving, coordinated, cooperated, chores doing, you know, you know, all those wonderful things that we love in our children. It's not that they're not trying to be those things, but, but there's something taking place in them. So at 14 and 15, they think that they know the answers. 15, 16, 17, they, they still think they know the answers. But it, it's what my grandmother and, and my mom and my, my auntie, Bay May, used to say, they smelling themselves. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Y'all need to understand that. That's not crude, but it's a Southern terminology. How many understand that? It doesn't mean anything vulgar or, or wrong towards them. It just means they're coming into an understanding that I can live an independent life and, do, and be, be right with it. So, it, it's, it's, you know, if you've got teenagers, you know what I'm saying. So, so in other words, they're, they're saying this, okay, they're smelling themselves, and nothing, nothing about this is, is accurate or correct, but their social, this is what that means, their social and cultural connections are having a greater influence on them than your parental leadership and that hot meal they come home to every day. It's having a greater influence. It also means that their belief is that they can parent themselves better than you are doing. Social and cultural, cultural influences. So here it is, God, who brought Israel out of bondage, 400 years of slavery. But they're saying to God, almost like our teenagers, I got it from here. You just pay the light bills, you keep food on the table. Don't need your influence. Come on, somebody. Y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm not just talking about my daughter. I'm talking about all y'all. All y'all got kids. Every last one of y'all. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You know? Don't put no gas in the car, but want to drive it every time it pulls in the driveway. Ain't nobody helping out with gas. Come on, somebody. Y'all, y'all, like I ain't speaking to y'all today, you know? Y'all, y'all, y'all afraid because my child is sitting next to me. I said, right, I'll clap for you. I'll, I'll clap for you. 
God led them through the wilderness, but, but they're saying in their heart and in their actions, I've, I've got it from here. God provided for the meals from heaven, but they, they've got it from here. God quenched their thirst from a rock, but they're saying, I've got it from here. God defeated their enemies on every side, but they're saying, I, I got it from here. And this is what the Proverbs 17 and 24 reflects on this. And it says this, wisdom is in the sight of him who has understanding, but the eyes of the fool are in the ends of the earth. You're looking down the road. You're not looking at what you have. You're not looking at what the Lord has blessed you with. You're looking at greener grasses and a larger pasture. You're not appreciating what the Lord has done in your life right now. There's always an enchantment somewhere else. There's always a pool somewhere else. Can, can, I, can I get real with some of you all today? Can, can we just talk about something today? You don't, you don't like waiting on the promises of God, so you go create the promises of God and say, God told me to do this. Can, can I get real with some of y'all today? You have struggles in your marriage and sometimes conflicts arise, but you don't know how to pray and honor your wife as a weaker vessel. You don't want to dwell with her according to, according to honor, according as she is a weaker vessel, according to understanding. You don't know how to, to lift her up, persevere her, to honor her as Christ loved the church. So when conflict arises, you start looking down the road. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost, in here today. Come on, that's, that's what it looks like to, to, to have a stronghold festering in your life and to undervalue what God has blessed you with. Come on, somebody, if, if you're sitting next to your wife right now, just tell her, baby, he ain't talking about you because I love you to death. Mildred, I ain't talking about you, baby. I love you to death. That's the best decision I ever made in my life 20 years ago. Still the same one today. Hallelujah, somebody. I want you to see me winking at you. I'm going to take my glasses off. But this is what happens. They're always subject to the cultural and social pool. That cultural and social pool that demands for them to, to like us. That social and cultural pool to be like us. Or, or, or see, I go to church too. See, it's okay. It's okay. That's what that looks like. God granted Israel the request for for rulership of kings, but not without warning of consequences of dethroning him in their lives. I'm ministering to somebody right now because somewhere in, in the line of, of going over into 2017, you look back at some of the choices you made in 2016 and you're still planning on making those same decisions and choices in 2017. You're dethroning God in your life. 2017 can't be different for you until you make different choices. Somebody say amen. Oh, yes, oh, yes. I, I, I'm going to give myself a hand clap for that one. You cannot be who God intended you to be if you're still living like you in 2016. If you're still wearing the crutches and you're in the clutches of, of what that past experience was like, you can't be the man or woman of God who we've called, called you to be until you break those strongholds because strongholds are meant to be broken. There's a story of a family who had two brothers, Charles, or John and Charles. From the earliest years, John was studious and thoughtful and reverent. And at the early age of, of 27, he wrote one of the world's greatest books, The Institute of Christian Religion. When he died in Geneva in 1564, he bequeathed to the world a great principle of democracy and religious freedom. The brother, Charles, pursued a course of shameless, reckless, extravagance, dissipation, and lived a life worthless and infamous as his brother's life was noble and glorious. 
How do you explain the differences between these two men? Not in their hereditary, not in their environment, not in their education, for they had the same hereditary, they had the same environment, they had the same home, the same influence, but the difference was their choices. Difference was their choices. Famous author, I value, John Maxwell says it like this, we cannot become who we need to become by remaining who we are. Everybody say it's all about your choices. In the text that we read in 1 Samuel chapter 14, we find Jonathan the armor bearer confronting, uh, as the Bible describes, as the garrison of the Philistine soldier. And he goes to this. It's, it says this, now the garrison can be defined or described as a military post, a fixed position, or in our vernacular, what we would describe as a stronghold, a place of security or survival, a place dominated by a particular group or marked by a particular characteristic. Here it is now. I want you to catch this. Don't miss this. A stronghold can be defined as a protected place where members of a military group stay and can defend themselves against attack. Or it can be defined as an area where people have the same beliefs, values, and philosophies. And the Bible puts things into a good perspective. Paul says this in the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. He says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophies and vain deceit after the tradition of men, traditions of men, after the rudiments of this world and not after Christ. Now, what are strongholds, if you would ask? This is why we want to ask this question. Strongholds for our vernacular today, any idea, principle, behaviors, conjectures, or philosophies that contradict the true principles, values, and beliefs, and doctrines of the word of God. Can I help somebody out again? Strongholds are defined as any idea, principle, behaviors, conjectures, philosophies that contradict the true principles, values, beliefs, and doctrines of the word of God. That is what is called a, a stronghold. So, so when I look at my life, if there's anything in my life or in my thinking that's not aligning itself with the word of God, I'm operating with a stronghold. When I look at my relationships, if there's anything in my life, mind, or behavior that's contradicting the word of God, I'm dealing with a stronghold. When I look at my actions and, and my reactions to things, if there's anything in my actions or reactions that contradict and are violating the true principles of the word of God, I'm dealing with a stronghold. Oh, you want me to be transparent? Let me help you right now. Some time ago, here I am, Holy Ghost filled. Here I'm teaching Bible studies. We're living in New Jersey. My wife is, is new. I just came from Korea. We, we relocated in New Jersey. Alana was just born. She may have been three months old, and we're riding to church of all places. We're going to church, and somebody, I'm, I'm heading north on 18, two roads. Another driver and several more are coming south on 18. So one driver in the slow lane, not the pass lane, in the slow lane, Cut every driver off in the fast lane. I'm thinking this guy's going to stop in the medium. Came across the medium. Well, he might stop in the fast lane. Came across the fast lane into my lane. I had to pull off to the side of the road. I'm hitting gravel trees, stuff flying up in the air. That's a little embellishment. But stuff flying in the air, squirrels yelling and everything, you know. And, and I'm, I'm barely getting the car back on the road correctly. And something snapped in me. Something said, you've got to respond to this. This guy almost took out your wife and your child. I pulled the car over, flopped up, flopped the door open, reached under my seat, stepped out in the middle of the interstate. Now, in the middle of the interstate with a golf club about to tackle a car. <laughs> that's no embellishment. When I realized that that's, that's, that's not the behavior of a Christian, that's not the way somebody that names the name of Jesus Christ behaves. That's, 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 that's not what people know of Fazel and Mildred. That's, that's not the way you behave. When I, when I realized my behavior 
I didn't really know how to correct it because I'm standing in the interstate, got 18 wheelers blowing the horn. I'm standing in the middle of the interstate with a golf club. I don't know what I'm going to do against a car coming at me. He pulls over, and I'm like, if he comes any further, I, I, I may just have to hit him at least one time, you know. <laughs> hit the car, hit the car with the golf club, not him, not him. But you don't know when something happens in your life that a stronghold was revealed. Here it is now, everything about me is loving God, worshiping and, and ushering. I'm, I'm doing all these things, but when something hit me at the wrong time, I, I may not have prayed that morning before I went to church. I hope that was a condition. I don't really remember right now. But something snapped in me and revealed something that I had never dealt with. That was a philosophy dealing with the protection of my, of my family, of my wife, and of, of my daughter. And I reacted the wrong way, but I reacted the wrong way because something had, had not been dealt with in my life. And this is how, glory, this is how we enter life as, as believers sometimes. There are some things that we face challenges with that we don't know we have an issue with it until it's revealed. There are some things that we, we confront in our lives that, that we don't know is something that violates the principles of the word of God until it's revealed. Ha, glory to God. And this, is, this is why I so, so strongly that, that we remain, amen, subject, amen, to the man of God. And subject to, to the influence and the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. Because I don't know about you, but, but I got to be saved when everything is said and done. I'm, I, I've got to be delivered when everything is said and done. I, I, a pastor's been preaching and teaching that, that only the pure in heart will see Jesus. Something in my heart, hey, glory to God. Some, something in my heart had not been dealt with. Here it is now. I'm wrestling in the middle of Interstate 18 with a golf club in my hand of a stronghold that had, that had never been dealt with. That had never been dealt with. We want the challenges. We want the blessings of God. We want the, the anointing power and favor of God. We, we want to see this city saved. We want, we want to see our families and loved ones saved. And, and we want to make a difference in their life. But, but somehow or another, there are strongholds that we've got to identify in our lives. Strongholds that, that we've got to deal with. Well, let's, let's talk about, glory to God, the strongholds for, for just a second. Because until we go and deal with the strongholds, you won't become what God wants you to become. I didn't say what this church wants you to become, huh? but I said what God wants you to become. There's an expectation that the Lord has for your life. There are plans that the Lord has for you. And until you deal with that thing that you're refusing to acknowledge, you can't become what God wants you, wants you to become. The Bible calls it a stronghold. The Apostle Paul presented it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, a stronghold is any argument or pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. A stronghold is anything that exalts itself in our minds, pretending to be bigger or more powerful than God. This is Beth Moore, I'm quoting from. It steals much of our focus. It, it, it comes to us and, and we feel overpowered by it, by the control or, or being mastered by it. Whether the stronghold is an addiction, whether the stronghold is unforgiveness, towards a person who has hurt us or, or the spirits of life. It is something that we are so consumed with and we refuse to deal with it. We refuse to deal with it. This is what was happening in Israel with the Philistines encamping around about them. It wasn't just one garrison. They had institutions or, or various locations where garrisons existed. Now you have to understand something about a garrison or about a stronghold. In Israel's history, when a garrison or the stronghold was set up, it was not just set up to say, okay, you know, you go on, live your life, you know, 
It, it wasn't just set up to do that. It wasn't set up to say, you know what, go ahead and farm. Go ahead and raise your children the way you want to raise your children. You know, go ahead and do what's right. Go ahead and do what Jehovah expects of you. No, that, that, that wasn't a condition of a stronghold. That wasn't a purpose of a garrison. The purpose of a garrison or stronghold is to project its influence. It's to project its culture. Watch me now. It's to subjugate the people that they are dominating to their ways, their philosophies, and their influences. This is what the purpose of a stronghold is. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. Strongholds are not your friend. Strongholds are not companions or, or favorable partners. But strongholds are things that exist to control your life. This is the thing of a stronghold. Once a stronghold is, is, is set up in, in Israel's condition, when a stronghold was set up, it was set up and these strongholds were Philistine garrisons and they were making them pay tribute unto them. They were taking money from them. In many cases, they were, they were making choices, amen, for Israel, not because they were serving God, but because they had dethroned God in their lives. Now we're subject, we're subject unto this stronghold. We're subject unto these penalties. We're subject unto this, this tribute of a foreign nation. And we're not walking or becoming who God wants us, wants us to become. And there are many of us that are dealing with, dealing with strongholds. Strongholds are unforgiveness. Let me tell you what that looks like. This is what that looked like. And Brother Jordan, I don't mind if I use you. I hope you don't mind if I use you. It's, it's, it's kind of conditioned right now. You know, you, you ask about it late now and ask forgiveness later. Amen. But Brother Jordan and I had probably one of the most I would say transparent conversations that I ever experienced with another brother in Christ. Amen. As we were riding to uh, Wisconsin over the summer, I enjoyed the fellowship. I enjoyed the time. Amen. But he did not know that he was digging up some stuff in me. He was unsurfacing some stuff in me. He was forcing me to face the reality of some things that I grew up with. Some things that my dad placed upon me. Some things that my environment placed upon me. Some things that my mother did not deal with. But, but now we're in a conversation, unplanned conversation, just great fellowship, on our way to Wisconsin. And now I'm faced with the reality of a stronghold in my life. Hey, Glory to God. And this is what it was. I don't mind sharing it with you. My father, at whatever age he did it, he was significantly older. But my father had converted to Islam. He converted to Islam. So at whatever age he was, several years older than my mother, I was conceived and my sisters were conceived. And my father grew up in the South. He was from Georgia. And he grew up with us in the Southern 60s and 50s and 40s. So you, you know that influence from there. So, so when him and my mother married and I come on and see him born now, you know, we were not allowed to play with children that were not of our culture or ethnic group. So here it is now. I had a cousin. I had a cousin that was almost a complexion of, yeah, you know, somebody very, very light, somebody very, very light, Sister Catrice Davenport, almost her complexion, and lived down the street from us. And we were not allowed to play with her because my father thought that she was white. Stronghold, stronghold. Let me share with you another stronghold. Every time you hear in our society of a police shooting, immediately you think it was an African-American. And all of a sudden, these rage of emotions flow through you. This unforgiveness all of a sudden taps your heart. This self-righteousness taps your heart. You don't even know the condition or the circumstance. But all of a sudden there is a rage inside of you that, oh, oh, that, that pops up. Oh, stronghold, stronghold. Don't leave now, don't leave now. I'm not even done yet. Don't you dare get out your seat. Because God, hear me now, God's planning to do something in us in this year. And until we begin to deal with the things that we are facing, begin to deal with the things as a culture we are facing, deal with the things as a family we are facing, we will not become who God intends for us to become until we identify and confront that stronghold. 
Unbelief that we deal with in our lives, it is a stronghold. Let me tell you how that stronghold works. Every Sunday, as Brother Jordan did today, and every minister that takes up the offering and leads us in prayer, every Sunday, this is what they do. We want to invite you all that are sick in your body, that are afflicted, and desire the elders and the ministers to anoint you with all. We will pray the prayer of faith over you. Here's how that stronghold is manifested. That stronghold taps you into your unbelief. And it says, well, I didn't get healed last time I got anointed. Nothing happened last time I got anointed. So you sit in your seat sick, not allowing the power of God to be revealed in your life. You sit in your seat bound, not allowing the power of God to be revealed in your life. It's called a stronghold. Oh, come on, somebody, because the Bible tells us that what is not of faith is sin. And we're sitting here, amen, not wanting the power of God to be released in our life because it didn't happen last time. Let me tell you something. Every time you're sick in your body, you ought to make your way to this altar because this might be the day that God manifests his power in your life. Every time you have a family challenge, you ought to make your way to this altar because this might be the day that God shows up and works on my behalf. Oh, hallelujah. Somebody shout Jesus. God, deliver us right now. Help us, Lord God, to identify our struggles. Help us, oh God, to identify, Lord God, the things that we need to overcome. Help us as a people to break these strongholds that are in our lives. Let me tell you another stronghold, stronghold of pride. Here it is now that many of us, and, and if you had a private conversation with me, amen, I'm not talking about you. It's just in my notes. I didn't even know you were going to be here today. Amen. So if you feel need to, you don't know what I'm saying, but if you feel the need to relieve yourself, now's a great time to go to the bathroom. But strongholds of pride. Here's how pride works. I don't want to converse with my brother and my sister. I'm struggling with my convictions. I'm struggling with my morality. I'm struggling with my sexual identity. I'm struggling and I'm struggling and I'm struggling. And yet and still you're hoping that somehow or another God's divine presence will be manifested and God will tell somebody that you're struggling in these areas. Well, pride tells you to sit still. Pride tells you that you can handle it your own way. Pride tells you that you can be victorious your own way. Pride tells you that you don't need anybody else. Pride tells you that, that, that you got this thing under control. But the word of God tells you that if any of you are overtaken in a fault, ye that overtaken confess your fault one to another, that God may heal you. But pride says sit still. Oh, yes, we're going in 2017, baby. And every stronghold that may reside in our bodies and our minds, by the help of the Holy Ghost today, you said it prophetically, God's going to break that thing today. If you desire to be free from these strongholds, strongholds that you know exist in your mind, strongholds that you know exist in your life, strongholds that you know been in your family for years, if you desire, I'm here to tell you now, this day, God has ordained your deliverance. This day, God has promised to bring you free from everything that you're dealing with. Every addiction, this day, God will set you free. This day, God will give you liberty. This day, God will give you deliverance. This day, God will emancipate you from the thing that you're dealing with. Hallelujah, Jesus. For this is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in and be glad in it. Hallelujah. We've got to overcome pride. We've got to overcome deception and depression. We've got to overcome insecurity and feelings of unloveness, of being unloved. We've got to overcome rejection. Rejection. Something that we deal with. We've already seen the scripture. 
That Samuel said himself that they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. Every time we choose to live with something in our lives that, that don't belong in our lives, you are not rejecting the preacher. You are not eject, rejecting the evangelist. Every time you choose to make a decision that contradicts the word of God, you're not rejecting your Sunday school teacher. You're not rejecting the prophet. Every time you act out of character, you act out of character according to the word of God. You're not rejecting that evangelist. You're not you are rejecting God. Ah. Every single time. And here it is now, God wants us, hear me, to be that loving, welcoming, enthusiastic, prosperous character, prosperous body of Christ in which we are going to be, in which we are right now. But God wants to take us to that next level in him. In order for us, hear me, child of God, in order for us to go to the next level in him, we've got to deal with the things that are holding us back. <laughs> Drugs, alcohol, sexual dependencies and addiction, stronghold. Gluttony, stronghold. You ain't got to run to Carabas every time you get $50 in your pocket. Help me, Fazel. Help me, Fazel. The Lord knows I'm talking about me. The feeling of guilt, despair, resulting from, from, from loss. This is how you deal with a stronghold. First of all, let me tell you something. You have to have somebody that you're accountable to. You do. God has designed us as a body. Don't you know that every system in your body connects to other systems in your body? Don't you know that one system cannot properly function in your body without the assistance or some kind of continuity with the other systems in your body? Don't you know that God has designed us the same way? So you have to have, everybody say accountability. I have to have somebody that I trust enough. Somebody that I'm willing to be transparent enough. Come on, somebody. Because I don't want to live the rest of my life and miss the rapture because pride kept me from dealing with a stronghold. Come on, somebody. I want to see Jesus one day. I want to see him, amen. I want to hear him say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. And until we begin to deal with those things, amen, we are in jeopardy of missing out. Missing out on what God has planned for us. Missing out on his promises. Missing out on his blessings. Things that we can't even imagine in our mind. The Bible tells us eyes have not seen. Ears have not heard. Neither has it entered our heart the things that the Lord has prepared for those that love him. Don't you know there's an expectation in my heart for heaven? Oh, glory to God. Help me, somebody. There ought to be an expectation in your heart for heaven. I, I, I do. Let me tell you something. My first and foremost priority is seeing Jesus. Because I just want to tell him thank you. Oh, glory to God. I, I just want to tell Jesus thank you. I may not be able to get any other praise out of my mouth, but I can say thank you, Jesus. I may not be able to tell him the number of times that he delivered me, but I can say thank you. I may not be able to tell him how much I appreciate him bringing me out of darkness, but I can say thank you. Thank you for bringing me out. Thank you for delivering me. Thank you for making a way out of no way. Thank you, Lord God, for giving me hope. Thank you for opening my eyes. Thank you for healing my body. Thank you for filling me with your spirit. Thank you. Ah, I, I, I just want to say thank you. Before all the voices shout hallelujah, before all the voices begin to praise him, just let me get that one thank you Jesus in. Because that's all I want. All I want. After all that he has done for me, after everything he's done for me, I just want to get that one thank you Jesus in.
So you go ahead and shout your shout, but let me be the first one to get it out. Thank you, Jesus. Hey. <laughs> Hallelujah. It's what the Bible tells us of how, how to overcome, how to deal with those strongholds, those things of your past, those things of your generational ties, those things of your community, those things of your neighborhood, those things of your school, those things of that college campus, those philosophies from the medical field, from that, from that engineering field, those, those philosophies and doubts that, that come about because of our professions and the environment that we keep. David put it like this in Psalm 51. He says, behold, I was shapen, born in sin and shapen in iniquity. So there are some things that we cannot take direct responsibility for, but we do have to take responsibility for. Oh, help me somebody, help me somebody. Because there were things happening in his environment that he said, I can't live like this. He understood the conditions and the influence that we're having up on his heart. He knew the things that he was struggling and being challenged with. And he said, Lord, I was, I was born in sin. And this environment is making me something I don't even like myself. Have mercy. Have mercy upon me. The book of Revelations, chapter 12, verse 11, tells us how to deal with strongholds. And it says they overcame by the, everybody say, by the blood of the Lamb. Let me tell you something. This is why it's so important that, that people that are seeking the face of Christ, people that have repented of their sins, this is why it's so important that you're baptized in the wonderful name of Jesus. Because it didn't say the blood of the Father. The Father wasn't a lamb. It didn't say the blood of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit wasn't a lamb. But it said they overcame by the blood of the lamb. There's only one blood of the lamb that we overcome by. And somebody shout his name real quick. Oh, come on, your neighbor didn't hear you. Shout his name again. Come on, we're on the radio live right now. Shout his name again. There is only one person who shed blood for us, who gives us deliverance through the power of the blood, and his name is? Jesus. Say it one more time. His name is? Jesus. His name is Jesus. Jesus is our deliverer. Jesus is our hope and our salvation. They overcame by the blood of the lamb and by, everybody say the word of your testimony. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never experienced this myself. Well, look at somebody, and Brother Jesse, you just happen to be in that front row, brother, and I love you sitting there because you don't mind me using you because I'm about to use you right now. I'll ask forgiveness later. But I've never had a conversation or testified to Brother Jesse like this. Ain't going to happen. You know why? Because my mouth has got to be open uttering words of thankfulness, uttering words of victory, uttering words of praise. Encouraging. Come on, somebody, encourage. This is how you testify. This is how you testify. Yo, come on, somebody, this is how you testify. You don't testify about being stuck in the elevator. That's not a testimony. That's an accident. <laughs> I was in some church some time ago. I ain't going to tell you where, but this sister got up to testify, and her husband did like this. And I said, I'm going to get my pen and pencil because this is going to be a good one. And she testified about being stuck in the elevator. And I said, where's the glory God got out of that? Where's the victory? No victory, just shame to her husband. That's not a testimony. But, but this is what a testimony looks like. Brother Jesse, let me tell you what happened to me in 1985. In 1985, Brother Jesse, I was on a peacekeeping tour in the Middle East. We were monitoring the peace treaty between Egypt and Israel, all the way over the Middle East, 3,000, 4,000 miles away from home. And Brother Jesse, let me tell you something. I did not deserve the mercies of God. I did not deserve his, his, his compassion. 
I was living my own life, doing my own thing, Brother Jesse. But let me tell you what happened. We were scheduled to come back on the same iteration, that, a flight that you went over on. If you came over the first flight, you were scheduled to go back on the first flight. If you came over on the second flight, you were scheduled to go back on the second flight. Scheduled third, same thing. Brother Jesse, somehow or another, the manifest got changed. Brother Jesse, let me tell you, I did not have any idea what was about to happen. First flight went back, no problems at all. But December the 12th, 1985, that second flight went down, which I was supposed to be on. Brother Jesse, I didn't tell nobody to change the manifest. I didn't tell nobody to remove, remove my name. In fact, Brother Jesse, I tried to pay my roommate to get on the flight, which he did. He said, no, I can't, I can't take it. I want to get back home to my mom. I offered him $70 to get on the flight to crash, but he didn't take it. Brother Jesse, don't you know that God showed me mercy that day? Brother Jesse, don't you know I'm overcoming right now by the word of my testimony? Come on, somebody. You got a testimony like that right now, too. Don't you know there was a car accident awaiting you, but the Lord prevailed? Don't you know there was a sickness awaiting you, but the Lord prevailed? Don't you know there was a crash awaiting you, but the Lord prevailed? Don't you know there was a child missing that was awaiting you, but the Lord prevailed? That's how you overcome by your word. You remind the enemy, you don't have power in my life. You don't have any authority in my life. I'm God's today. I'm God's tomorrow. I'm God's forevermore. He's mine today. He's mine tomorrow. He's mine forevermore. Somebody shout Jesus. He saved me. He delivered me. He enabled me to overcome. When I didn't deserve it. When I was wrong myself. When I was wrong myself, didn't deserve it. He enabled me to overcome. Paul tells us like this for the weapons, 1st, 2nd Corinthians, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal but mighty through God. Watch this, to the pulling down strongholds. Come on, somebody. Hold your hand in the air just like this right now. Come on, everybody in the house. Everybody in the house, wake up. Come on, young people, hold your hand in the air just like this right now. To the pulling down, pull it down, pull it down. Come on, pull it every stronghold, every ideology. You gotta come on, reach up. You gotta pull it down. You gotta pull down everything that's indifference in your mind to the word of God. You got to pull it down. Everything that's indifference in your heart towards the word of God. Come on, you got to pull it down. Everything that's in your family that contradicts the word of God. Come on, you got to pull it down. Come on, but you pull it down through the word of God. Casting down every imagination. And every hot thing, everything that the enemy said that, that, that God can't deliver you from, that's an imagination. Everything say, that the enemy said that you will not get victory over, that's an imagination. You pull down imaginations. Come on, you pull down, cast down imaginations. And every hot thing, <laughs> I just love that word. Sometimes you can't explain it. It's just a thing. I can't put a name on it. I can't even put it in some psychological category. But it's just a thing. I can't put it in no physiological, sociological category, social construct. I can't even name it. But it, 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 come on, y'all know what it is. That it is a it is a thing. It is a thing. Whatever your thing is, your thing got to come down. Come on down, somebody. Whatever that thing is. You may not be able to name it, but it's got to come down. To, however long that thing has been with you, whatever that thing is has been with you, it's got to. It's got. To, everybody say, come down. However long you've been looking at that thing, however long you've been dealing with that thing, somebody say, it's got to come. It's got to come down. If we are going to live victorious and be victorious the way that God expects us to, the way God is trusting that we will respond to his word to, we've got to pull that thing, everybody say, down. We've got to pull it down. Another thing you've got to do, you've got to put on the uniform of a believer. 
in order to live victorious in this life, in order to live victorious in 2017, you've got to adorn yourself with a believer's uniform. Come on, how many know what the believer's uniform is? Oh, everybody's hands ought to be up. You know it. I just gave it a different name. A believer's uniform is armor. The Bible says take upon yourselves the helmet of salvation. Take upon yourselves the breastplate of righteousness. Come on, somebody. You want to be victorious, you've got to put on a believer's uniform. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have in your hands a shield of faith. Show the spirit, which is the word of God. Listen to this now. You got to live victorious. Ooh, this is a revelation right now. The, way, the reason that many of us aren't conquering our fears when it comes to personal evangelism because we have not shed our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Shout hallelujah, somebody or out. Shout hallelujah, somebody or out. Because when we got our feet shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace, we're able to conquer our fears of evangelism. Glory to God. Goes on to say, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Then he tells us to take on the armor of God. Here's what you got to do. I'm going to show you something here, and then we're going to be almost done. Ooh, somebody shout praise the Lord. Here's what happened. Jonathan, I, I, I need a Jonathan. I'm looking at young men. I need a Jonathan. Y'all scared? I ain't gonna embarrass y'all. I promise I won't. You ain't gotta be black Jonathan. You can be white Jonathan. I don't care. Just be. I just need a Jonathan. I just need a Jonathan. I need Jonathan. I need an armor bearer. Jonathan needs an armor bearer. You coming up, brother? Oh, oh, oh. You, you coming up? Come on, come on, come on, come on. There you go. Come on. I know he was leaving. You're Jonathan. Look at Jonathan. Anointed. Notre Dame about to be graduate. Come on, somebody. Intelligent. What is your field? Engineering? Business management. Shout hallelujah. Come on, somebody. Come on. Some of you single sisters ought to be eyeing this, brother. Y'all ought to be eyeing this, brother. I'm going to help you deal with your stronghold of fear. Some of you single sisters. I just help you out. Give it up. Give it up. Here it is, Jonathan, full of faith. Jonathan, full of boldness. He sees his garrison. Come on now. His experience and his battle experience, battle, battle experience alone tells him that it's more than one soldier in that garrison. But there was something in his heart that said, I can't be subject to the stronghold any longer. Huh. There was something in his spirit that he said, you know what? If my daddy's not going to do it, <laughs> oh glory. If Saul's not going to get the job done, uh, I can shout right now. Some of you right now waiting on your parents to get some things done. Some of you right now are begrudging the fact that your mama didn't get the job done or your daddy didn't get the job done. But something ought to be struck inside of you. Said if my daddy didn't do it and my mama didn't do it, come on somebody, you got to get, you got to get the job done. Ha. Glory to God. So here it is now, Jonathan, full of faith, full of power. He looks at this garrison of the Philistines and he said this to his armor bearer, come up and let us go over unto this garrison of the Philistine. Let us show them that we're not the fearful people who they think that we are. Come on, I'm helping somebody right now. I'm not afraid of this stronghold. I'm not afraid of talking to somebody about the stronghold. Come on, somebody. You can't be afraid to confront the stronghold. So Jonathan said, you know what? I'm going to go up against this stronghold. It's been around too long. This stronghold has been acting like this property belongs to him. This stronghold has been acting like my mind belongs to him, like my heart belongs to him. This stronghold has been alone too long. I've got to deal with the stronghold. So Jonathan says to himself and says to his armor bear, come, let's deal with this. Deal with the stronghold. Take your armor bearer by the hand right now. 
Here it is now. This is how we conquer it. So Jonathan and his armor bearer is about to go over, but there's a problem. This is a problem. Sometimes when you're about to conquer something, it's not going to be easy. When you begin to deal with strongholds, it isn't easy. Nothing is easy about it. Nothing is easy about it. Because in conquering strongholds, you know what you've got to do? You've got to make yourself vulnerable. Ooh. You've got to make yourself vulnerable. You've got to expose yourself to something that has been dominating your life. How do I know that? Jonathan in the past scripture just showed me. The Bible tells us that there were two sharp rocks, Boaz and Sina. Two sharp rocks. And if you read the scripture, the Bible tells us that Jonathan and his armor bearer went up on their hands and on their feet. Here, I want you to catch this. Boaz, Boza, is a sharp place. It's a sharp place. So there were things that were, that could have been damaged by. There are reputations that could have been damaged. But I've dealt with the stronghold too long right now. And I'm going to go deal with the stronghold right now. Cena was a shiny place. So you, you got exposed. The enemy knew you were coming to deal with it. And it exposed you. So here it is now. Come on. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be. I'm just going to be the narrator of this story, so let's walk. Because we're going over to the stronghold, you know, and I see it. But I'm, I'm making my way. Come on, you got to bend down like I'm climbing. Because step by step, it doesn't feel good. Step by step, I don't know how it's going to be received when I begin to talk to somebody about it. Step by step, I'm not even sure if people are going to accept me in the house of God when I begin to reveal this stronghold. Step by step, my heart's going to change. Step by step, my mind's going to change. Step by step, things are going to begin to make a difference. Step by step, that thing, whatever that thing is, it's about to come down. Step by step, I'm making my way towards victory. Step by step, I'm getting ready to become a champion. Step by step, I'm getting ready to let this enemy camp know that you won't rule in my life any longer. So step by step, God gave him victory. Here's what happened. If I had room in here today, maybe when we get the new, thank you, brother. Maybe we get the new sanctuary. Come on, I'm saying 20 all up. Because they went two against 20. I don't know how many would challenge that all right there. Two against 20. And here's what happened. They beat them down. Why? This is why they beat them down. Nobody, scripture does not tell us that Jonathan was told by Saul, his father, to go up. Scripture does not even tell us that, that Jonathan felt impressed of God to go up. But he looked at something that should not have been there. Woo! He looked at something that was existing too long. Too long. And he said, this is the day that I'm going to conquer this thing. Woo! This is the day. I'm not going to deny my deliverance any longer. This is the day that God's going to give me victory. And the Bible said those two men against 20 won the victory. Here's why. They refused to live with a stronghold any longer in their lives. They refuse to allow this thing to have its influence in their lives. They refuse to allow themselves to be dominated by this thing any longer. Whatever philosophy, whatever idea, whatever conjecture, whatever principle, whatever belief that contradicts the word of God you're dealing with right now, this is your day. Would you stand right now, musicians, would you come? This is your day. This is your day. Listen, listen, he didn't ask permission. He didn't ask permission. He didn't call Saul. He did not. He didn't text him. He didn't email him. He did none of those things. Y'all get what I'm saying? He did none of those things. But he said, this thing has been here long enough. If my dad's not going to do something, remember, he's up against a pomegranate tree miles away. If my daddy's not going to do something, 
All I need is one person that will help me pray. And I'm going to get victory over this thing. I'm going to get victory. I don't care how long I got to pray. I'm going to get victory over this thing. This is what I want you to understand about this. Last thing, and these altars are open right now. These altars are open right now. Don't, don't, even, don't even wait on me to finish. Don't even wait on me to finish. These altars are open right now. In Matthew chapter 13, the Lord taught us a parable. And his parable was a, of a field, of a sower that has sown in the field. And as that seed began to come up, the servant said to the Lord, he said, there are tares that are coming up with the wheat. This is what he said, there are tares that are coming up with the wheat. He says, how did this thing happen? This is what the Lord said. I want you to catch this statement. If you don't get anything else, I want you to catch this statement. His statement, the Lord's statement was this here. An enemy has done this. This is what happened. This is what he said. An enemy has done this. These altars are open right now. I don't even know why you're waiting. Don't even wait on me to finish. Don't even wait on me to finish. Deal with it. Come on, deal with it. Deal with it. Deal with it. Unforgiveness, deal with it right now. Come on, just deal with it. Just deal with it. Come on. If you're dealing with loss, if you're dealing with an addiction, if you're dealing with whatever you're dealing with, come on, deal with it right now. Because an enemy has done this to you. An enemy has constructed this in your mind. An enemy has constructed this in your heart. In the name of Jesus. This is what he said. An enemy has done this. This wasn't a co-worker. This wasn't a friend. This was an enemy. This wasn't a favorite relative. This wasn't an auntie. This wasn't an uncle. It was an enemy. I don't care what has happened in our families. I don't care what, what, what we have suffered. I don't care how many consequences we have dealt with because of our family structure or because of our issues. The Bible says an enemy. An enemy has done this. Yes, yes, yes. I'm conquering everything. Everything that violates the true beliefs, principles. How about, come on, somebody of the word of God. I'm conquering everything. Because I'm not going to allow myself to be defeated any longer. Come on, 2017 is going to look different for me because I'm going and I'm conquering things. Come on, somebody. Lift your hands right now. I need some intercessors right now. Come on, I need some intercessors right now all over this house. You're a worship leader. You're a minister. I need some intercessors right now. You don't know what they're dealing with. Come on, but we are agreeing together. I need some intercessors right now. I need some intercessors. There are women up here. There are men up here that are dealing with some things, dealing with some challenges. Come on, intercessors. Come on, intercessors. We believe God. We believe God. We believe God. In the name of Jesus. Yes, 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 yes. Come on, come on. Come on. This is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to look like. This is what it's going to look like. Victory. Come on. This is what it's going to look like. We're on our way to glory. If you could, just move up. Move up to the left, to the right. Come on. We're on our way to glory. We're on our way to glory because we're dealing with strongholds. We're on our way to fulfilling the will of God because we're dealing with strongholds. We're going to walk in the appointment of God because we're dealing with strongholds. We're going to walk in our divine calling because we're dealing with strongholds. We're going to walk in our purpose because we're dealing with strongholds. We're going to fulfill the will of God in our lives because we're dealing with strongholds. We're dealing with it right now. We're dealing with it right now. Hallelujah. I want you now to find somebody. Come on, come on, intercessors, intercessors, intercessors. Come on. Maybe your love for your wife is not where you need to be. Come on, break the stronghold. Come on, break that stronghold. Maybe the love for your husband is not where it should be. Maybe you don't reverence him the way that you should. Break that stronghold. Maybe you're wrestling with peer pressure in schools, or wrestling with peer pressures on campuses. Break that stronghold. Break that stronghold now. Break that stronghold now. 
Come on, maybe you're dealing with racial indifference. Maybe you're dealing with cultural influence. Maybe you're dealing with things that are dominating your mind. Break that stronghold right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you don't make your way to this altar, I want you just to lay hands on somebody next to you. Just lay hands on somebody next to you. Come on. Husband, wife. Come on, brother, brother, sister, sister. Lay hands on somebody next to you. Right now, in the name of Jesus. Come on. They may not tell you right now, but you're going to begin to pray something that they're dealing with. Hear me? As you begin to pray with them, you're going to pray something that they are dealing with right now. Every chain. Every chain, break every chain. Come on, there's power in that name. There's power in that name. Come on, deal with it right now. Minister healing, minister deliverance. Come on, I need an intercessor. I need an intercessor. I need an intercessor. No sister, no brother should be uncovered. Auntie, come on, I need an intercessor. Now in the name of Jesus. I need an intercessor. I need an intercessor. I need an intercessor. Hallelujah, Jesus. Sister Catrice, thank you, Jesus. Come on, there's victory in this house today. There's victory in this house today. In the name of Jesus. Come on, sisters. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Right now, in the name of Jesus, you're able, God. You're able right now. Able right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, a Chain is coming down right now. Every chain is coming down. Come on, young people, pray one for another. Pray one for another. I need another intercessor. I need another intercessor. I need another intercessor right now. Come on, I need another intercessor. Chains are broken. Chains are broken. Come on, chains are broken. We're no longer going to be the same. Chains are broken. Chains are broken. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, man of God. Come on, man of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Over my brother right now. Over my brother right now, deliverance. Over my brother right now, deliverance. Over my brother right now, every chain, every chain is broken. Over my sister right now, every chain is broken. Yeah, yeah. I don't belong to you anymore. I don't belong to you anymore. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, Wayne, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 